Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's episode, we have Mr. Ari Galpa joining us now. Ari is actually the number one authority on trust-based selling in the world and the CEO of Unlock the Game, which is a new approach to a sales mindset to help you really step into being a trusted advisor when it comes to your sales process. Now, in today's episode, we cover off on not only the history of that, but what are the few sentences that you can literally change to embed more trust into your conversations? And what is one phrase that you should never say ever again in your sales career? We cover all that and more. And of course, if you need a few more leads so that you can increase your sales, head over to marketingmobile.com.au where we have everything that you need and more. But until then, let's jump into the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So I always like to start the podcast off the same way every time, which is if I met you and we were at a party and I said, what is it that you actually do? What is your go-to answer? I remove the pain of selling for business owners and entrepreneurs and advisors. Oh, I like that. I like that. So what is, uh, what, what's the pain of selling? Because I mean, for me, sometimes I get excited by selling because I'm, uh, I'm pretty interested in it. But tell me a little bit. like what, Well, what- most people are excited about it until the point you have to start chasing what I call ghosts. Mm. People who say, I'm interested, send a proposal. Yeah, give me a call back. And then you call, you get their voicemail, and now you spend your day chasing people. That's not the fun part. The other part is fun thinking about it. But when you start doing that part of it, it gets a bit dysfunctional. Oh, look, that, that is going to be very true. And I know my uh, my sales team are going to listen to this and I'm sure that they will uh, be 100% on board with that. With that. So like, how do you avoid that then? If that's the, if that's the pain, yeah. how do we get away from that pain? Well, this is a whole mindset shift we'll talk about today, uh, what's called trust-based selling. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a story behind this. I can talk to you about it if you like. But basically the concept is we'll talk about is you got to really rethink the way you approach your customers and clients in a way where you're not chasing them or persuading them or convincing them or doing things like over by giving away free consulting. You know, that happens quite a bit with sales teams. They start educating and do consulting. And at the end, the guy says, hey, let me think about it. You're like, how did I get here? It was a great call. Uh, I, I don't mean personally myself in the past definitely have been have been guilty of that for sure. And mostly because I think if you know if you're a if you're a just a nice person, someone gives you a problem, you're like, oh, let, let me solve that problem for you, right? Right. I mean, we if we hear a problem, our instinct is let's solve it. The challenge with that is that's called sales prevention. That's how you don't make the sale, is by over-educating. Uh, and focusing on the solution. What, you, what we'll learn today is that the whole shift is realizing that psych- psychologically, your potential client, what they're thinking about is not how it is going to solve my problem. What they're thinking about is do I trust him to solve it or not? So this is about trust building that makes the sale. So what's step one in building trust then? Or as well, like what's step one in not building trust? Like what do people screw up that kind of ruins that as well? Well, why don't we kind of cover the story first behind the concept? Yeah, I'll back okay. into all that for sure. We'll cover all that. And uh, But look, about 20 years ago, I was a sales manager in a software company, and I was managing 18 people underneath me at the time. We launched the first online website tracking data collection tools. Now it's called um, Google Analytics. 
But back then, it was a fast-growing business at the time, and I got the leads that came across my desk. There were big opportunities. This one contact called in. I got the phone call. Big company, multiple websites, big opportunity. If I close the one sale, it would double turnover one go. That's how big it was. So um, I got the lead, and we agreed to a conference call and a live demo to show them our product to see if they want to buy it. So they finally came, and uh, I was with my managing director in a conference room. Closed door behind me was a big, long table in front of us. In the middle of the table, the speakerphone, the old school one, it's like a starship spaceship on there, three legs on it. And I hit the dial tone. I dialed the number. My contact picks it up. He's already, hey, great to hear from you. Uh, he says to me, let us tell you who's with us in the room today. And I was like, oh, sure. Next thing I hear is, my name is Jonathan. I'm CEO of the whole company. Wow. I didn't realize that he'd be there. My name is Mike. I'm head of IT. This is even better. My name is Julian, head of global marketing. This is great. I mean, everybody on this call was basically a what? Decision maker, yeah, We're all there at one time. It's going to happen. It's going to happen now. <laughs> so uh, I described myself, who I was, gave them a live demo over the web to show them how all the services work, and I'm showing this to them live. And I start hearing these noise on the phone call, like, "Wow, this is great. This is amazing. I can't believe we can see this. This is fantastic. We can use it here. We can use it there." They start asking me all kinds of questions. How does it work? How do we install it? Of course, they had all the right kinds of questions. I had all the answers. I was competent at the time. And there was so much chemistry on this phone call game. It was like a love fest on the phone. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Like no resistance. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is like a done deal. It was like such a great call. An hour goes by and my guy says to me, Ari, we love it. This is great. Look, give us a call a couple in a couple of weeks, follow up with us and we'll move this thing forward. I said, oh, thank you, God. Like, this is the deal of the century, you know? And I said my goodbyes. I took my arm and I reached for the phone and with the table hit the off button. As I'm reaching for the off button by complete accident, now it's divine intervention. My thumb hit the mute button instead of the off button. They were right next to each other. A small click happened and they thought I hung up the phone. And that's split you second. Some, you got some inside, uh, ins inside input coming in. And that split second, a voice inside of me said, Ari, Go to the dark side. Be a fly in the wall. Go where no one's ever gone before in the world of sales. And so I pulled my thumb back for a couple of seconds. They started talking amongst themselves, thinking I had left the call. Now, this is not a trick question, but what do you think, what would you expect to have heard after a call like that, given what they said so far? In an, my ex, I could probably guess the what happened, but I don't, but normally what I would expect is being like, cool, they're like, Great, that was awesome. So when he like when we speak to him next, like this is what we're gonna do, type thing. Exactly. You expect to be reasonable things like, hey, let's look into this, or but let me show it to you what they said in word for word. What they said was this: they said, We're not gonna go with him, keep using him for more information, and make sure we shop someplace else cheaper. Knife in heart twist. I was in a state of shock. I snapped out of it. I hit the off button. I lit the wall and I said to myself, what did I do wrong? I was competent. I was professional. There was chemistry. I did everything I was taught to do in sales. I answered objections. I built rapport with them. I did everything I was taught to do in the blueprint of sales. And, and the first big epiphany hit me, and that was this, and you can share with me if you agree with me this or not, that somewhere along the way, it has become socially acceptable not to tell the truth to people who sell. Mm. right yeah it's okay to say things like sounds good send me information oh we're definitely interested wait wait 
Send me a proposal. Yeah, send us that. Without any intention of what? Mm, without any intention of actually doing anything. That's right. And then I, I asked myself this question. This was the key question. Why were they afraid to just tell me the truth? Mm. And I realized that moment that, that along your sales process, pre-sale, every call you have with someone, there is an invisible river of this layer of pressure that flows underneath the dialogue with them. Now, you can't see it and they can't see it, but it's there. And if you don't remove the pressure from the process pre-sale, they'll always have permission to not tell you the truth, hold you back at a distance, play the game with you, make you chase them, and then the end, hope you get it. And so I realized if I can shift the whole mindset here, the industry away from the end goal of the sale and focus only on trust building, then I'll create what I call this moment of vulnerability where they feel comfortable opening up and telling me the truth where they stand. So now I know where I stand and neither has to play the game anymore. And that's the whole shift called unlock the game where you, you build trust with people more efficiently and you build, you make more sales that way by not chasing ghosts. Yeah. I love that. And so but based on that, what what didn't you do, or what or what could you have done in that call back then that uh, that would that would have built that trust in? Great question. People always ask me, Ari, twenty years. If you can go back twenty years from now, what would you have done to prevent that from happening, or what would you have done if you were there? And my answer to that is this: my answer is, I never would have had the call. Mm. That would have got the truth on the first call with the guy to know what their plan was. And I would have controlled it from there. Mm. And that's what we'll what we'll teach today is that the sale in this economy now is not lost anymore at the end of the process. It's actually lost at the beginning. That lost at hello. Mm. I'll prove it to you right now. If someone calls your office tomorrow morning and you hear, hi, my name is, I'm with, we are a, what goes through your mind in about three seconds? Yeah, you're like, oh, great, telemarketer, cool. Yeah. It's over yeah. at hello. Yeah. So, look, I'm not saying that your listeners all make outbound calls, but I'll make the case today that most of them are losing their opportunities, not at the end of the process and losing it at the beginning. So what what is the biggest difference then at that at that beginning point? Because a lot of the guys that are listening to this podcast are business owners. Like, you know, we we help people with marketing. So generally speaking, it's uh, it's never a, a lead problem. It's a conversion of lead problem yep. generally that we find with most people. Sure. Well, let's, let's do a scenario right now, a real scenario you can all relate to. Let's say you have a lead, a first call with someone over the phone, and it's a good conversation. They're qualified, could be a good fit. It seems like a good opportunity for you, and the call kind of comes to a close for the first call. What do we normally say to someone in a call like that? Not a trick question. What's the normal thing in sales you're supposed to say to someone that looks like there's an opportunity there? What do you say to them typically? I mean, look, I, I'm very different. I will speak for a generalist person because I'm, I'm sure. probably, yeah, I'd sure. probably be a bit more uh, aggressive than some people in the way that I approach things. But I know that most people will be like, cool, well, either I can send you some more information and we can have another call in, a, in next week or something. Yeah, we are conditioned to move people forward, aren't we? Because hmm. we are trained to believe the process is to move them to a next step. What happens if you try and move somebody forward at the beginning and they aren't ready yet? What do you break with them right there in the process? So you break that rapport, you break that trust. With trust, them. exactly. So same scenario, our mindset, our approach. Call is going well, good chemistry, could be a fit. Call comes to an end. Brandon saying, hey, how about we move forward? What we say instead is this. We say, where do you think we should go from here? And I'll say it again. Where do you think 
we should go from here. Now, how's that changed the moment in the situation there? What's happening there? Exactly. Well, you're, as you say, like you're 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 flipping it back to them to drive what what they want to achieve. Because as you said, like you're going back, and if they didn't want to actually move ahead from things, then that gives them the point to chop it or to continue if they do. When you say to somebody, "Where do you think we should go from here?" They're usually in a state of shock. They <laughs> can't believe somebody in business would actually ask them what they want to do. They're so used to the sales conversation and the process. Now, and what usually happens, they say things like, well, I, I, I've got one more question. Or what, what, what about this? You know what comes out? The truth. And that's the goal. Your goal is to uncover the truth of someone at the beginning of your process. You don't end up with breadcrumbs along the way, hoping somehow it'll work out at the end. You play the numbers game. That's, I think that's such an important point. And I don't know if you would, uh, if there's stats on that, but how many people do you reckon people send through to that future pacing game that don't actually convert? Like, surely it would be quite a large percentage of their actual leads that they're, they're most forward. companies play in the numbers realm, where it's how many contacts you make equals how many sales you make. Mm. But we discovered it's reverse. It's not about how many contacts you make. It's about how deep you go on each conversation with somebody. It's how good you are at trust building, not how many contacts you made that day, how many calls you made. So it's the trust building skill set that converts the customer from a lead into a new client. And so from that point, is there any other things that people generally do wrong or they should do next to if we're like trying to compound our trust at that point to, to keep the game moving forward and un unlocking the game, as you say, what's the next step that we should make sure we get down pat? Yeah, yeah. So basically, I'm working on a new book right now, actually, called The One Call Sale. Oh, beautiful. Where you compress your sales cycle for multiple steps into one step, where you can onboard somebody on one conversation without having to put pressure on them, without proposals, without emails, without chasing which sounds at first almost impossible. How is that possible to have every call convert to a sale? I'm assuming they're qualified. Assuming you have a qualified lead as a scheduled call, how do you onboard somebody on one call? And that's what this book's going to be about. And I'll share some thoughts about it today right now, if you like. Yeah, but the whole, the whole concept behind this is you have to shift into what I call a doctor-patient relationship on this phone conference with somebody. They're the patient. You're the doctor. Your job is diagnose their problem, not to build a relationship with them. This is, I'm dropping a bomb right now in the sales industry because I, I tell my clients, stop building rapport with people and stop building relationships with them pre-sale. You do that post-sale, not pre-sale. The minute you start to mix social norms and business norms together, it gets so messy. Because there's no next step to go forward. They feel obligated to social norms to do this. So what we have figured out is you start your call with someone, assuming it's scheduled, with this opening phrase. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. If it's okay with you, when we start with you walking me through a bit of your journey, a bit of your story, your business model, and where your challenges are, we'll go from there. You start with the ball in their court. Like doctors, when you meet doctors, they don't try to become your friend. Your client's don't want to become your friend. I promise you. They want to solve their problem. But we think they have to like us and know us before they buy from us. <clears throat> In fact, I'm working on a new bumper sticker right now for my clients. You know what's going to say on it? 
What's the thing to say? Doctors don't do coffee. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's great. The mistake we made from the old sales gurus is we're taught to build rapport with people, get to know them better, have them like us better, which extends the whole sales cycle into a really nasty game at the end because if they're your friend, there's no movement or willingness for them to move forward. If we tell them to do something, they're going to say, hey, look, we're buddies. What, what? Back off a little bit. Like It gets so messy. So what we're talking about here is having a different mindset where what you do is you unpack their issues, unpack their problems to a deeper level where they say to themselves, he just gets me. Wow. And he's not trying to sell me anything on top of that. Wow. I like the way I'm being treated right now. That's pure trust building without becoming their friend. <clears throat> I'm not saying you have to be cold and aloof and mean. I'm just saying you have to have bedside manner like a doctor. You have to have empathy. You have to actually care about them. What a concept. I love that. And I think like one of the points that you, you said there as well, which I think is so important and leads back to what we mentioned at the beginning is that even a doctor is like a doctor's not trying to diagnose you in the first two minutes of the conversation either. It's like, cool, tell me all of the history of your body and all the problems you've had and things like that. And then you're like, oh, wow, like um, I, you automatically have that relationship with them. Whereas you're not going in and trying to be like, oh, cool, I have a sore back. Oh, like you just need this pattern off. There you go. See, we need a back operation. What happens is we've been conditioned when we set an opportunity. We say, oh, I can help you with that. And you lose it right there because they're not ready yet. See, doctors are trained to unpack the problem first, diagnose it, do an x-ray to find the source of the problem, and then prescribe. In sales, we do the opposite. We ask a few questions, we, we qualify them, and then we move them down our process. And they're like, I, I think I'll think about it. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we're like, how did we get here? Because we messed it up. Think about it. They got the problem. We got the solution, right? Straight line of sight. Why does it get so messy? We get in the middle of it, and we start doing all this crazy rapport building stuff, and now they're like, I just want to solve my problem. I don't want to become your friend. My, like, they won't tell you this, but in the back of their mind, like, it's fake anyway. Just, just be real with me. Mm. And so why do you think, like, at what point did this tipping point kind of change? Because I think a lot of people, as you say, look at the old school sales gurus and things like that, and they were teaching it. Like, like what do you think the reason was that this all, all changed and, like, there's a kind of this, this new approach that we need to have? Great question. So, look, up until four or five years ago, these old techniques actually were pretty effective. What's happened recently is the world's become so commoditized that every solution appears to be the same. And so here we are trying to say, hey, look, we're different. We've been along longer. We have more clients. We try to persuade them that we're somehow different. They aren't qualified to discern how you're different. They're not the expert. So we spend so much time trying to show our credibility and how we're different and our offer and our services that we forget it's not about the solution. It's about understanding the depth of the problem. And right now, trust is a new currency. And if you aren't putting trust constantly into your process right now, and every call you're having with somebody, they're going to feel like they're being sold a commodity. They're going to view you as apples to apples. You do marketing services. Well, so does everyone else do marketing services too. What's the difference? Well, they don't know the differences. So you can't differentiate on your service. You differentiate on your approach. So unless you have an innovation to how you sell, 
you end up being commoditized. I think that's yeah, hugely powerful because I know that yeah, for us when when we're dealing with most clients, it's like the the sales process and this this part that you're sharing is literally the difference for some businesses between life and death. But you know, as you said, like they once they see a, see an opportunity and they try and jump in. Is there any? This might be a slightly um, weird question, but do you have any techniques for a salesperson to slow themselves down when they see that it's like opportunity and they they start getting commission breath and they start getting very hungry for the sale to kind of like to, to slow themselves down to make sure that they keep that relationship rather than jumping ahead? That's the whole mindset shift. That's where you have to be aware of your own self when you're not being present with people. You're, 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 see, what happens is we're listening but our voice is going, ooh, this is good. This is great. Hey, I'm almost, almost see your brain's already in the next step. And they feel that from you. So the real key with this is two ways to make a quick change. One is to use what I call trust-based languaging. Words that send trust, like where do you think we should go from here? Or for instance, I'll ask your listener now to never use this phrase ever again as of today. Here it is. Never use the phrase follow-up ever again in your career after today's call. What's the only industry in the world that uses the word follow-up right now? Yes, yeah. Hi, I'm going to follow up on a proposal. (laughs) Oh, my. It's like 1980s all over again. Are you kidding me? Follow-up or touch base or check-in? How's it going? You have make like, this is so retro. Like, they know it a mile away. So instead, what you say is this. You say, I'm just giving you a call to see if you have any feedback on our previous conversation any feedback on our last meeting you go away from the sale not towards the sale i know it's contrarian it's opposite of what we'll be trained to do but that's the way to innovate is do the opposite of everybody else i like that 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 was going to obviously be my question but like what do we use instead so that i i think that's great and obviously that puts you back into the diagnosis point again you're back into the doctor's chair Correct, because you want to anchor your sales process around their problems, not your solutions. Mm. Yeah, I like that. That's hugely powerful. Um, I'm going to make sure I keep myself on track because I feel like I could just ask you sales questions all day and we could kind sure. of go down, of course, <laughs> go yeah. down, go down uh, many different tracks here. Now, um, one before, you know, in, in a second, I'll, I'll kind of ask one of my, my favorite closing questions um, sure. of the podcast not to sell you something. Um, so what, what's probably the biggest mistake, apart from the trust-based components, what's the biggest mistake that you see most salespeople make when you come across them? Usually, it's funny because I call it this, um, this hidden drug in our bodies and it's triggered with inbound calls that look like there could be opportunities. You know what that's called? It's called a hopium. <laughs> you know the hopium drug, you get the inbound call like, oh my God, he wants to buy how many of these? Oh, guess what, guys? I got a deal pending here. That's good. On the board, the CRM system, tagged, high-value client, protect, you're like, woohoo! It's the whole hopium thing. You get so excited about the opportunity, you lose grounding on the process. That's the really one thing we have to be aware of is that you got to bring yourself down and stay calm and cool and collected like a doctor would and don't make any assumptions until you've diagnosed the problem and they own the problem and they say to you, here's the magic phrase, And they say to you this, they say, how can you help me? Don't, you're not allowed or given permission to discuss your services until after they get to the point of them saying to you, how do you guys work? And that takes a new skill set to do that because we're so conditioned to jump in 
and move things forward because we are taught to believe it's about momentum. Momentum creates pressure. Pressure shuts people down. You don't want to create momentum, which is the opposite of what the sales guru has taught us to do, which was be enthusiastic, passionate about what we do. We love what we do. Yeah, guys, go out there and make those calls this morning. Yeah, you call someone like that, they don't know who you are. They're thinking, oh, not another one of these calls. This is a behavior shift, absolutely, because it requires detoxing and being aware of your own behavior, how you're being perceived to your prospects and how much you're losing that you're making. Because people are burning leads all day long and aren't even aware of it because of their approach. Yeah, I, I would hugely agree. I know sometimes I'll I'll uh, listen in on people when they go, oh, can you have a listen to these sales calls that we did when we're assessing their marketing as well? And then it's, oh gosh, it's you can see how many people they would they would burn through when it goes to that. Um, now, Ari, I'd love to, I always like to uh, like close off the podcast with the same question every time, which is, is there, a, is there a question that I didn't ask you that I should have? Well, you know, there's a question about what has influenced me to drive my passion about this. Mm. And for 20 years, I've been doing the, this now with a very large following and lots of books around me. But I will tell you briefly, when I was married, after our six months, we had our, our first psych into our lives. His name is Toby. And the day after he was born, we were told that he had Down syndrome. And at first, we didn't know what that meant to our lives. We realized it was a gift that we had in our hands. And if you know anybody has Downs, they know they're very loving and they're very open and very transparent. They have no agenda. And I learned from him, I wrote a book about him called Lessons from Toby, that we need to take how he views the world and put it in the sales process to be transparent with people, to be open, build trust with them. And he became my mascot, my hero. And he's really what everyone talks about in my world, that if you can be like Toby one day, you'll be so successful because you won't have a hidden agenda anymore like everyone else has got. I love that. I love that. I think I've got the copy of that book here. I think you... Uh... uh, lessons from toby that's it yeah yeah beautiful i love that and ari so for anyone that's listening if they want to find out about the books that you've written already or potentially the upcoming book that you've got where's the best place for them to connect with you online and and kind of keep up today best thing first is to unlock the game.com just like it sounds unlock the game.com everything's there or reach out to me on linkedin say hello and let me know you learned from today it'd be great to hear from you Beautiful. Thank you so much. So guys, wherever you're listening to this above or below the show notes, we'll have all the links to um, Ari's site and also his LinkedIn profile there as well. And if you know anyone that maybe is using those uh, 1980s style sales tactics, please share this episode with them and uh, get some of Ari's wisdom into their hands because as we just shared there, it makes a huge difference. can be the difference between you burning hundreds and thousands of leads or, or you know, you having those actually good conversations and putting yourself in the doctor's chair to have those deeper conversations as well. Ari, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you making the time. Pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Ari. Thank you.